Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. When David Gilner from Swords was a young actor trying to build a career uh, in the United States, things were progressing well. He'd just been offered a role in a film when hours later he was hit by lightning so severely that he nearly died. This is a story David tells in his one-man show A Bolt from Blue, which uh, premieres in Ireland in the Sean O'Casey Theatre on December the 1st. Afternoon, David. Hey, thank you very much for having us, Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you ever think afterwards... Was God trying to tell me something here? If there is such thing as God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably just as well you ignore it, even if the, uh, that is the case. Uh, the, so, like, what had you been just offered a, a, a role in? What was the movie you'd been yeah. offered a role in? So, basically, I was like a young actor I trained in Ring's End with Jill Doyle and Eamon Farrell. Through Eamon Farrell and Jill's connections, I was doing a little bit of work over here, got part in a film. Like many Irish, I was in uh, South Boston working on a building site and I got offered the role and then two hours later, it was July 2nd, beautiful sunny day and there was a ladder on the balcony and I just was celebrating in the L Street Diner with the people to celebrate the news and I went back up to the building site and there was a ladder on the balcony and it was a beautiful sunny day and there was kids playing next door so I just thought the ladder might fall over so that was my first port of call and as I put my hand out to grab the ladder, that's when my, my life froze in fear and um, I got struck by lightning, hit my right hand, earthed out my left foot, sent me back eight feet into the room and then my heart flatlined and then I just woke up um, a couple of minutes later to the sound of the kids screaming, the lads from the, the house a few doors up running up. I was bleeding at the time. They didn't know what had happened. They heard the bang. I didn't really know what happened. Oh. Um, and basically, they, well, two of the lads panicked. One of them, Mick, got me a cigarette and the other fellow ran to the liquor <laughs> store <laughs> to get a bottle of stout. They weren't the sharpest in the box, but they meant well. And then the gaffer picked me up and he just picked me up like Superman. I'll never forget it. He held me in his arms and we went straight to the Boston Medical Centre. And when I got there to the ICU, once I had my insurance, by the way, mm. uh, um, but... That's when I realised that time was running out fast. I felt this cold chill enter my spine and you realise that you're dancing between the realms of life and death. And I just said to my best friend at the time, Stephen Russell, don't ring my parents because it's whatever time it was in Ireland. They couldn't get out to me in America. I was only 18. I told them I loved them and, and I closed my eyes and my heart flatlined for the second time. Oh my God. Now, by the, by the time they got you to the hospital, was it apparent, you know, the, the, was it apparent what had happened? No, they kind of figured out that maybe I was struck by lightning and then the lacerations and I was bleeding out. And at the time I was still paralysed from the neck down. I was talking, but you're, you're talking in a rapid sense because you know time is fleeting and you know like the nanoseconds of life. So you're very conscious of that. Um, did I feel pain? No. Um, when I woke up, I felt pain, but when I got struck by lightning, I didn't feel any pain. Um, 300,000 volts of electricity passed through your body but at that stage you don't really know what's happening I was just conscious of the people around me the noise and that I didn't know where I was going but then I did look at myself from the ICU when I'd left this place we call life and then I remember taking my first breath back that's something I'll never forget that that moment of impact of <gasps> and then why am I in the intensive care unit I'm an 18 year old fella in the Boston Medical Centre and I just had to kind of deal with that and what was going around me yeah. and the essence of time because the nervous system gets hit and your heart is a problem with the lightning and that's yeah. what that's and you say you were bleeding so the, yeah uh, I had lacerations because the, the it was so hot at some parts of my body it, it, it the lightning went out and I lost the sole of my left foot when it earthed out of my foot 
So they were the two, my left foot and certain scars throughout my body. Christ, David, that's extraordinary. Yeah, it was it was a bit bit mad, all right. <laughs> okay, so is, is, did you flatline uh, two flatline or th- three times? Three in, times in the ICU, yeah. And it was literally that recovery. Once my heart had had got stronger, it was a, a moment of okay, we're going to go on a program here to get you to pick up things, to move again, to walk again. All of these were like. A, goals and guidelines to get me to a place and they brought me down to Florida would you believe the lightning capital of America fantastic yeah, yeah that must make you feel again. very comfortable yeah. <laughs> yeah and and so say like in in the just a few days after that happened were, were you kind of paralyzed in the bed sort of thing yeah so I was paralyzed from the neck down first of all then I was paralyzed from half my body and then it's like sensitivity issues to feel hot or cold you know what is touch to, to never feel touch again these were things that were going through my body because of what happened and it's like it, it, there's like an, there's like a book online book that everyone who gets hit by lightning has different symptoms so they're learning and I'm learning oh. and uh, it was uh, yeah to me it's really more so about the afterlife and you're so young and life can be taken away from you in a heartbeat. And so that's what I learned. It gave me the greatest gift in life of a second chance. But it also, everything I was working towards, this idea of the American dream, my goals, a J1 student, getting the film deal, then to be discarded and to be left. I had a problem with being on my own and not being able to communicate with people. So a great specialist and Dr. Chang came up to me and said, you trained as an actor, why don't you use writing as a tool or a communication to be able to help you get over what you've been through? So he gave me a pen and paper and I never wrote a day in my life and that's how I started to write. And I wrote everyone in my family uh, who, they meant so much to me that I had been dead, I am lost, but I will be found. And I wrote them all an individual letter that Christmas to say, because I couldn't physically speak it to them, but I could write it. And when that power that I felt that I could write emotions and how I feel on a piece of paper rather than saying it with the Irish way mm-hmm. that's how the writing kind of transformed my life because it's easy to say oh no that's just a player that's just a character but really it's a stem from you so my form of therapy for 10 years was like many Irish people I pretended the accident didn't happen I put it in a box I buried it deep in my subconscious but I kept on scratching at the surface that these nightmares that I was getting this feeling of when lightning strikes or when you're alone and you can feel, to me I describe death as it's just a chill and you can sense it and you can sense that panic and that always stays with you and it's a good thing and a bad thing because life is full of colours and waves and energies and you can feel it off people whether you can work with them or not work with them and I know it sounds all hippie and arty farty but <laughs> when you're dying and people send you flowers or mass cards or whatever it is, that's the power. The power is people willing you to do well. And when your insurance company sends you flowers when you're in the ICU, <laughs> they want you dead because it cost them an absolute bloody fortune. Oh, God, yeah. that must be nothing more scary than flowers from the insurance yeah, company. Yeah, get well <laughs> soon. Did you, did, you, did you feel anger? Yeah, no, I felt, one, I felt the guilt for what I put my parents through, so they had to leave Dublin. Um, I was in the um, paediatrics in the ICU, so I talk about the shriek of a banshee of a parent losing a child at four months or three years to cancer or leukaemia. So when you're in an ICU or you're in a coma and you hear that parent saying goodbye to a loved one and you're at the the other scale at 18, me and a guy called Nick, he was American footballer, he was hitting a hit and run. And that's something that stays in your subconscious as well because my parents say there's no greater pain for a guardian or a parent to say goodbye to a young life. And I heard that a lot and experienced that a lot in the ICU. So that's something that I was gifted that I got to live. But these kids had... So I saw a lot of pain in people's eyes, a lot of hurt, a lot of questions. 
and then I have to ask my questions that why am I still here what do I believe in is there a God do I believe in angels spirits all of these things and as an 18 year old all I wanted to do was get drunk and hopefully pull yeah. and get smacked <laughs> and roll. but these are all the things that were that were ladled upon me you know God that's interesting because I suppose my I was thinking when I was thinking I was wondering would you have been because you just got the parish that you'd be angry that this happened to you but the same, your attitude seems to be no I was extraordinarily lucky because I was still alive I tell you what I was angry what that in our industry or any industry you can be discarded I was discarded as a cripple that was it. My life was yeah. over. Nothing was going to happen. Good luck. You had your chat. So that meant, that taught me a lot about any industry, about life. That when things are working, people are happy to be working with you. But sometimes when the carpet gets pulled, people want to keep their distance. So I learned that very young that I had to be able to build up a reserve, a shield, and basically just speak my truth, who I am, who I want to work with, and believe in the work or the stories that I'm telling. Because without that connection with an audience to me that's my relationship as a playwright or as a modern day performer is that without you guys I haven't got a career so I'll speak my truth and some people laugh some people cry some people hate it but I'll get a reaction because I got a reaction as I said from the lightning I was just really angry I was fearless at the time and to be fearless at that age is a frightening aspect because what are you going to do to me I'm already scared I call it scars of pride my life was giving me the greatest opportunity to move over to Los Angeles. That was taken away from me. Agents dropped me. So I was just discarded. And I didn't know where to put this energy that I had in my body that had so much electricity passing through me. So I read a lot. I studied a lot about different religions, different cultures, and the power of anybody, the blank page, the pen and paper, how you can create words or your experiences to others and hopefully make a few good. Uh, mm. But uh, the whole point is that the power of the pen and paper and the blank page, that was a great gift for me with lightning and with creativity and how I'd be able to express my emotions because physically I couldn't speak them at the time. Wow. How uh, long was it then until physically you were back on your feet I'd again? say it was two and a half years because the sense, like, it was a great story actually. When I was with the specialist, he was like, oh, you could go blind, you know, you might not really walk again. He was telling me you might never have children again. And my mother could see... <laughs> These guys never ne- filled you with much hope, didn't yeah, they? <laughs> I always say with doctors, I always get a second opinion. Mm. But my mother just grabbed my hand and she says, son, can you see me? I said, I can. She goes, can you feel my hand? I says, I can. And she says, you're hungry? I says, I'm always hungry. And she just thanked the doctor and we left because this man was going to break my soul. And you can, a human being can survive anything, cancer, leukemia. You can go through amazing depths. But when someone tries to break your soul, she, my mum could see that. And it was, that was, I don't blame the doctor's fault. He's giving me facts. But right now I didn't want facts. Mm-hmm. I've already mm-hmm. been through a roller coaster. So the power of the mind to say, you know what? If I focus on the little things, that if I could walk three kilometres, you know what I mean? I had the, the crutches, then it was one crutch, and then I started to get stronger. I was skin and bones. Then I started to train out for the first time. So these are all like just little goals to get me where I needed to be. But I always think that's important, I talk about in the show, that that specialist, that there, out of everything I've been through, if it wasn't for my mother, I think I wouldn't have recovered as much as I had because he was about to break me right then. And she said, no, she wasn't having it. Was the psychological recovery, the spiritual recovery, did that take much longer? Yeah, both. I'd say physically, look, I've got scars, I've got sensitivity issues, my nervous system damage, that's fine. Mentally, it took me a long time because like many Irish people, I pretend it never happened. Did I suffer trauma? You haven't laughed. I got hit by lightning. Get away from that. But I, I didn't realise I was in this dark place, this place full of shadows. And I had to be able to deal with those tools and how to describe that feeling and describe colours. Because back then, all I saw was grey. I didn't see any colour. 
my world was just grey because there was just a numbness to me, a void. And then all of a sudden, when I started to create again, I started to write again, started to be able to figure out how I can get colour back in my life. And then when that colour came back into my life and then that energy and that higher power, because I saw myself in the ICU, I was dead. Where was I going? I don't know, but I was gone. I could physically see me. And then in a click, I was back taking my first breath. So I'm trying to figure out all of this that I completely forgot because smells like the smell of your own burning flesh, something I can never get out of my subconscious because that's something that was that was, you know, your own burning skin. It's something that stays with you. Yeah, they I, it's pretty understandable that a part of you will never get over this or it's a life defining experience yeah. you had. And to me, the lads will joke about in the local pub. Oh, if you tell me about the lightning story, the problem was it's not about the lightning. It's about the afterlife and about going through tragedy or trauma. And the lightning sounds it's, it is. It's crazy. It's a freak accident. But I think people are more fascinated about what's next and what did you experience? Because we all go through these things in life. And maybe I'm here just to talk about these experiences so other people can connect with me. Like a guy came to see my show in the Bronx and his daughter got hit by lightning and she died. And there was this moment that we had that I was speechless. And I said to him, the only thing I can tell you right now is that I actually didn't suffer any pain until I woke up. Mm. And I said, that's mm. the only piece of advice I can give you that your daughter didn't suffer any pain. Because when I got hit by lightning, I was in this euphorical place because my skin was actually physically burning, but I didn't feel any pain. I only felt pain when I woke up. She never woke up. And we had this magical moment. And he's a banjo player. And and I said, can I hear you play your instrument? And he said, yeah. So you you never know who's in your audience. You never know what people are going through. But you have to be open and tell your story to see if it connects other people. And that was one of the most powerful moments that happened to me in in, in the Bronx recently was that moment. When you saw yourself, those three times you flatlined, did you get a sense of what that was like? First time, you don't really know what's happening. You don't know where you're going. Second time, you are fearful of going back to the shadows because you were trying to stay alive. And the third time, you're angry because you're going to barter, sell your soul to anybody because you want to live. So I say the third time, I didn't want to die. I didn't want to give up my body or my soul. I wanted to stay in this place we call life. And that was anger. That was like being back in the ring again. I just wanted, I was, I was, I could just felt like I was just, my skin was being burnt alive and I wanted to stay. And then I woke up and then you're in a place, a place of peace and serenity. And so there were the three kind of chapters that I, I went on. Cause I like to talk to people about, you know, near death experiences, what they went through and see mm. if there is a connection that I can make because everyone's story is different. And, um, oh yeah, if you hear any Caribbean Blue playing while you're in a coma, run, because you don't want to sail away. <laughs> Be careful what songs you play when people are in comas. Okay, <laughs> too much of a temptation. Haunting, but please do, don't. Has it changed your attitude towards your death? About Do you fear death now? Do you, do you... No, I, I don't fear death now. I think me writing this show is my getting over my accent me being who I am to tell this story now because I don't fear death. Do I know what's next? No. My mother is a, a strong Catholic and she goes to prayer groups. My auntie is a spiritual healer. So I got those two balances of energy, light. I love lighting candles. I like candles for everybody. It, to me, it's just a process of uh, sending goodwill to people. So I took those two sides in my life and kind of trying to find the right balance mm-hmm. because, you know, all you can give anyone in life is your time. Like, I'm very blessed to be here today and tell my story. But time is important. I think we in society 
you forget how important to give someone because loneliness is probably one of the biggest killers in life at the moment. That's yeah. why time and chatting and why radio is so important because it feels like you have a friend in your home so you're not just on your own. David, thanks a million for coming in uh, to talk to us today. A boat from the blue uh, premieres in Ireland in the Shona Casey Theatre on December the 1st. That's next Thursday. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.